This is Sailor. Welcome to another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. What's up? What's up, guys? Sailor. Hey, Sailor. Hey, Matt. What's up, Ed? Hello, listeners. Man, that was like accusatory. What's up, Ed? Hello, listeners. Uh. Good to be back. Yeah, we're ready. <laughs> I'm ready to do battle. Yeah, it's an album battle week, so we are oh, ready. Oh, sorry. I forgot. I'm all fired up. Come on. Yeah. The gloves are on instead of off. Uh. <laughs> Ay, tough crowd. Crickets. Okay, then. Any news that anyone has tonight? Crickets again. Mm-hmm. You know what I always heard? No good news. Is, is good, good, good news. Good news. With Gary Ganoo. <laughs> and Matt's like, what the hell are you fuck two are you guys Gen Xers talking about? <laughs> what the fuck uh, was that show? Oh, the Great, great space, space Coaster. Coaster. Get on board. The Great Space Coaster. I don't know the rest. We'll explore. Okay, yeah. We'll explore. And there was that. There was some creepy shit in that. That was a trippy yeah, show, man. Yeah, there actually was. Well, back in the day when they had all those uh, acid all shows for shows, little all children the ch- type shows that were like knockoff Muppets. And, uh, uh, you wonder why Gen Xers are who we are. Yeah, <laughs> just look at our look at our childhood television. Which, I mean, by the way, HR, there's HR only Muppet one Muppet stuff. Stuff. Another good example. So apparently, <laughs> we are. So there's something really interesting about Gen Xers. Um, other than the Depression era children, we are the least parented generation. Um, not only that, we apparently took care of our parents and parented our parents more than any other generation in history. That's the Gen Xers. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our parents were busy making acid trippy shows for us little children, and um, we had to make our own breakfast. Yeah, that's the play of the Gen X. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> that's a dark start, but you know anyway, what? Anyway, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole no. today it's, because it's we've fine got though. It's fine. Other things to we have a dark subject at hand. Yeah, it is a dark subject. Yeah. A very dark subject. We're talking about metal tonight on Metal Rock and Whiskey. But not I just we were metal. Talking about diamonds. Whoa, whoa! Start over, guys. One at a time. Well, I was going to say we're talking about black metal. <laughs> and then Ed said, "Diamonds." <laughs> okay. Can we diamonds, say black diamonds? Diamond, diamonds are forever. 
Oh, Jesus. Oh, Black Diamond. <clears throat> you ever see that movie? It's a great fucking movie. No. With Leonardo DiCaprio? No. No. Never seen no. it. All right. Talk no. to you later. All right. No. no interest. Cool. If right. it's not what's eating Gilbert Grape, I don't want to know about it. Wait, what? Um, <laughs> Are you saying that everything after that movie that he made was not worth seeing? Pretty much. Yeah. What? <laughs> Matt. If, I wish the listeners could see the look on Matt's face. I know. That was fantastic. Right <laughs> all right. I'm not talking about like Titanic and shit. I'm talking about like all, this, all the Scorsese stuff, like Gangs Let's... of New York. Like, eh, so, so, so. Avi- like Aviator, fucking Departed. Ugh, no. Great Gatsby. No, I Gatsby. No, I Gatsby. You guys but, are like, not helping your case right now. Like The Revenant, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, nope. Just. Wow. Wow. No. Sorry. I'm I'm gonna say one thing now, and I don't, I don't give a shit if people tune out when I say this. For someone <laughs> for someone my age, 35 years old, I would I'm, I'll put Tom Hanks in this category too. He's a little bit older, but I would say Tom Hanks and Leonardo DiCaprio are probably the greatest actors of my generation. That's just huh? my opinion. What do you That's mean of opinion. your generation? Like of like me were remembering seeing during movies his lifetime like during my lifetime like from during early your, from, okay you from can't an early age yeah sorry 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 okay. poor wording but during what when I can remember going to movies early on up until now where I am at my age and now. you wouldn't include like Johnny Depp in that because talk I mean like chameleon actor completely I, he's up there but there have been. Gary they Oldman. all have they they all have stinkers along the way. Oldman's a, Oldman he's older, so I I put him into that. He's the same as he's the same as Tom Hanks, the same age I think. Yeah, but the I'm talking about the quality of work at the time that I can remember going to movies. So I mean, like old for me, Oldman like early '90s, late '80s, early '90s, like JFK in the line of uh, not in the line of fire that was John Malkovich, but. Um, Fifth Element. Yeah, yeah, J- element, JFK. JFK, beloved. thank you. Th- yeah, Fifth Element, um, JFK. Like, that stuff for Oldman is, for, it's like, that's great Oldman, Oldman like, early 90s, mid 90s stuff. And 80s. And I know I'm missing a lot of stuff there, too. Yeah. But, yeah. So, really, you're gonna, you're gonna die on the, on the DiCaprio? Really? I, I, I gotta really? tell you, like, like I'm a huge like I took film classes in college, both me and Jenny did. So, um, and we studied we studied a lot of and DiCaprio's stu- the hill studied, you want to die on. Well, I, well, hold on. I studied a <laughs> lot of Scorsese film, so I appreciate the relationship that he has with his actors. I hate and believe me as a person, not as an actor, but I hate fucking Robert De Niro. As an actor, he's one of my favorite actors. I can compartmentalize the non-actor Robert De Niro with the actor, the method actor Robert De Niro um, and the relationship that those two had throughout their career and how basically De Niro, if you look it up, pretty much saved Scorsese's life early on in the early 80s. The guy was addicted to drugs. He was ready to commit suicide and and De Niro kind of saved his life. So I studied Scorsese's films and the relationship that he has with DiCaprio and what he can bring out of DiCaprio and vice versa um, I can appreciate that. So I think that maybe I'm maybe I'm getting it from a, a, a side of bias on that. But 
I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Depp, you have, you make a good argument with Depp. I got to give you that. He's Depp a, is, Depp is fantastic. A chameleon. Yeah. He can be anything. He's never the same character. You and, are and completely. Old, yeah, you are very right. Yes, you and are. And Gary Oldman's yeah. the same way. Think about Dracula, JFK. Think about um, the Fifth Element. Think about Air Force One. True romance, being that like white Rastafarian guy in true romance. And then, oh my God, if if you fast forward him, like he he is he knows no boundaries. In my opinion, Darkest Hour, he plays Winston Churchill. Churchill. Yeah, and he won the I'm Academy Award for that. Fucking yeah. believable, as he should have. And also, if you're going to talk about DiCaprio, I would say Brad Pitt was kick his ass out of the water. Brad Pitt is there too. Yes. Because also, like, yeah, I mean, I'm so glad for him that he was able to break out of that, like, pretty boy thing. Because he's another chameleon. He's played some like California. He's played some crazy motherfuckers. See, that's that's another guy whose who's best whose best work was before he was Brad Pitt. So I mean, huh. se- seven, um, twelve. It wasn't monkeys. before he was Brad Pitt. What do you mean? That before was before he was Brad Pitt. What is that? No, seven. No, he was before- totally Brad Pitt already. Way. No, he way, was not. Way. He was yes, not he was. as huge. Yes, he was. As he is now, or in the last ten years. Yes, I'm he sorry. was. They banked that. I'm sorry, but they they marketed that entire movie on him, on him. And think about the other people that were in that movie. Trust me, I was there then. That was he was way already Brad Pitt, big time. Well, that's the same year. That I believe that was '95. So that was the same year he did Twelve Monkeys. So and I don't yeah. remember. Yeah, because he had already led. Okay, Legends Interview with a Vampire and Legends of the Fall came that before, was before Seven. That. Before that, a river yeah. runs through it came many years before that, before that a river yeah. runs felt okay thelma and louise is thelma and louise was like his first okay, movie that's 19 yeah. no but it was the movie that lit the fire that would was to be brad pitt everybody had to know who that was who was brad pitt right that's 91 a river runs through it launched him into the stratosphere that's 92 then 93 is california true romance is also 93 then interview with a vampire is 94 and then legends of the fall 94 okay this shows ginormous this shows our age this shows our age difference because the first time i remember brad pitt being in that stratosphere where he was on where he was on tv every single day it was him and angelina jolie Oh so God, that, that's so that, way later. So that that's late nineties, early two thousand. Mr. 2000s. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah, yeah he was kind of done by then. To be honest with you, by the time that happened, he was kind of like there were other younger whatever guys he by then. In Travolta slump. Totally, totally. Yes, that's perfect, Ed. <laughs> no, he's so right. That's so perfect. I mean, Fight Club isn't until ninety nine. Think about that. That was the he time. Was that was the time. Ma- he, he just won the Academy Award like not three months ago, though. And that's my point. That's my point. Him and Depp, they're like those fucking chameleons that you, I think people just assume in the beginning, like, oh, they're just pretty boys. They're going to play these pretty boy romance, you know, roles. And then that's not what they, same with what's his face? Um, Keanu Reeves, same thing. And I wouldn't even consider him a good actor. And I, I will say, if you want to see a fantastic movie, go and see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That movie is fucking amazing. On my list, Quint- Quentin oh, Tarantino. I did, I did yeah. just see Parasite, dude. Oh, I haven't seen that yet, dude. <laughs> fucking great movie. I haven't movie. seen it yet. Oh, watch it. Great watch movie. It. Yes, you do not like. That is the first movie 
and I've watched movies with subtitles before because it's it's in Korean. Um, but I've watched movies with subtitles before. I've seen you know Japanese movies, war movies, stuff like that that have subtitles in it. And this is the first one where I could clearly the the acting and the emotion itself um, just jumped through the screen at me where I did not even have to read the subtitles to what was going on. You could mm-hmm. just read it by the way that the, the characters were acting. Fucking fantastic. Well, yeah. now that the film portion of our show is over. Sorry. I don't know if that was a big rabbit hole and who knew that my knowledge about Brad Pitt movies was so Jeez, so encyclopedic. I <laughs> I didn't even know that. No, a river runs through. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, that movie. Let me tell you something. If you haven't seen that movie, I saw it when I was very young. To see it as a more mature adult, it kills you even more. Like, oh, there there are certain scenes in it now that I can't even. I have to fast forward. I can't watch it. It's too upsetting. Like the dad get it having the stroke just fucking did me in. That movie is intense. Alert. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yes. How could I spoil a movie from the 90s? Damn me. <laughs> By the way, I didn't mention because we well going <laughs> going back to Brad Pitt, like as Ed said, his Travolta slump, and then what happens <laughs> after his Travolta slump? Curious case of case of Benjamin Button, Inglorious yes. Bastards. Inglorious Are you Bastards. Fucking yeah. kidding oh, me. Right, Mila Tarantino movie. Yes. Oh my god. Oh my god. So fucking good. He just, yeah. He's, I don't. He's, yeah. He's just one of those guys. He has that. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one too. Yeah. Thank you very much. All right, moving along. All right, we are here tonight to drink. (laughs) (laughs) We (laughs) we know what Matt's here for. We're gonna drink whiskey and we're gonna talk about King Diamond. We're gonna battle some albums and probably talk a little bit more about satanism so let's start with whiskey matt yes as always we have to go around the horn and talk about what we are drinking as i say every goddamn week we are metal rock whiskey it is the third word in the title of our show but it is not the least important despite being third (laughs) so who's drinking what well, I am currently imbibing my hedge of protection. <laughs> I love it. The I great love it. Um, Reverend Elijah Craig, oh but God. not awesome. just any Elijah Craig. I went all the way. I have the Elijah Craig barrel proof. I figured that would that would if anything would do it, the barrel proof would do it's it. It's gonna kill. It's gonna kill the demons and the coronavirus. And the virus. Yes. Dun dun dun. This is batch B five one nine coming in at. 61.1% or 122.2 proof. Just enough to cleanse the soul, my friend. Yes. Yes. And it is caramely. It is cinnamony. It is just all around good. Cinnamony? <laughs> yeah. That is a new word. You heard it here, folks. First on Metal Rock and Whiskey, cinnamony. Say it three times. I'll give you five bucks. 
cinnamony, cinnamony, cinnamony. Boom. Okay. Uh, I'll say what I'm drinking, and then Matt, you can say what you're drinking. How about that? Sure. Say I'm it. drinking blackened whiskey because why not? Ah. <laughs> We're talking about a metal band. We're talking about black metal. The demons. So I thought that would be a good pairing. Very good. Yeah. Pretty straightforward. And super yummy. And you know what else? <laughs> I was thinking the <laughs> I was think I was thinking the other day. What if I had to change brands and work for another brand? And I'm like, I don't know if I could after working for this brand, if I could ever do it again. I might have to do something else. What if I had to <laughs> apply for being a brand ambassador for blackened whiskey? I'm, I seriously went down this like very neurotic rabbit hole. It's like, oh my God, I think I could sell myself to them. I think I would be a really good fit. Like I'm a rocker. I'm a metalhead. You know, like I've been in whiskey for a long time. This would be such a great synergy. But what if they found out? about how I end almost every show for two years <laughs> <laughs> saying fuck you Lars and then yeah. what if they heard Jake doing his Torben impressions of Lars father on the show for a full year would I get the job I could just hear the phone call now from Sailor Ed I need you to do me a huge favor <laughs> I need you to go back and edit all every the episode. Cut out the fuck you. Almost one hundred fucking episodes. We got to edit them now. Everybody, quit your jobs. Do this because I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> then I thought, well, we could just play the Fukuchu Lars episode. Uh, Fukuchu. <laughs> and my son has you have this nice hashtag. I can't even. I can't all even. All of a sudden, he became Italian. <laughs> I can't do the accents. I can't do it like Jake. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Right. So what are you drinking, Matt? Well, I went straight fire last week with Glenfiddich Fire and Cane. But uh, this week I'm going straight to hell with this Fireball? George. No. no. I would not <laughs> go down that hole again, Ed. But I'm drinking George Dickel Tabasco Barrel Finish. Oh, nice Ooh. one. Yes. That's the one I want to try. Still haven't tried that. Very yet. spicy. Still won't drink that shit. Yes. Except unless one, it's in a Bloody Mary. Uh, one, uh, well, hold on a second. This is one of the few that I actually made Sailor Eater words on. I yes, believe. Yes. You didn't eat my, I didn't eat my words on it. Yeah, because you said I had it, and then you tried it, and you're like, "Oh, that's actually pretty damn good." No, for what it pre- is. Oh no, yeah, but I well, would never drink it, it is, by of course. Itse- yeah, I would never drink it by itself, though. God no. Oh. Just like that screwball shit. Same thing. <laughs> like I'll, I've written so many cocktails using that as a liqueur, because it's not a fucking whiskey; it's a liqueur, right? I did. So- yeah, I actually just tried those lot tried it this last weekend and i would agree with you it is it drinks more like a liqueur than because it, it is a liqueur we all know they didn't distill peanuts yeah. so it's not fucking whiskey how it got approved by the ttb who the fuck knows who cares the point is that in a cocktail it's fantastic because it tastes like 
real peanut. And then there's a little bit of some kind of heat there. Great. The the Dickel Tabasco. Who the fuck sits there and just drinks that by itself? It's a cocktail whiskey. <laughs> Matt's raising his hand, you guys. I'm so, doing it now. I did it the first time. <laughs> I mean, I like, I, I like the taste. I it's know. it is a lot better than I thought it would be because it tastes like actual whiskey and actual Tabasco, Tabasco as it should. Yeah. It doesn't taste chemical or flavored or fake. It tastes real, but it's not something I would just sit there and drink. So yeah, touche. Yeah, no, but I mean. I was told that the uh, peanut butter screwball goes well with bacon washed bourbon, which sounds yes, it's absolutely fantastic. Also, if you have a little fig or plum jam, so take your take a a really nice. I would do this with with a higher proof whiskey, like a ninety and above, like a nice. It it goes better with a rye, although you can do it with a bourbon. And um, just add a little spoonful of jam and then add like a half ounce of the screwball and then just a little bit of soda water with it. Absolutely killer. Stir that up. Get it really, really, really cold with some nice ice. Super, super good. Shows how simple I am. I was mixing it with um, or just doing like 50-50 with like a framboise liqueur, just making like peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> but wasn't it Pe- overly People eat sweet? that shit up. Oh, I what? know they do. But didn't well, didn't you find it was overly sweet? Well, it's it's not about what I feel. I mean the, the oh, American pa- the American palate as a consumer like sweet. We're getting I mean, away so. from that though. So I always add I, a little. I guess, uh, yeah. I add a little amaro in there to cut that to cut it down. Well, that's but, interesting. All right. Yeah, you like the if you like if if I'm gonna do like a peanut butter and jelly, which again it does really well with whiskey. Um, I'll add a little, like a couple drops of Amaro or bitters just so I can pull off that sweetness a little bit. Because if it's too sweet, you're not going to taste all the flavors. And it's actually really nice and nuanced. Interesting. Balance it out. Yeah. Yep. Well, there's a cocktail segment that I didn't expect. Very good. (laughs) Let's talk about metal. We are here tonight to continue our discussion that got ridiculously derailed last week and almost happened again tonight, but we're not going to let it. We're going to talk about Merciful Fate, the band, and King Diamond, and battle two albums. Ed, what albums are we battling tonight? Well, as I said last week, we will be battling 1983's album, Melissa by Merciful Fate against 1988's album Them by King Diamond as a solo artist. So Melissa is actually the debut studio album by Merciful Fate, and it was released in 1983. Um, And it was first released on Roadrunner Records and then later on through Megaforce. We have talked about these labels many, many times in the past. Especially Megaforce. Especially Megaforce. Um, So some of the material for this album came from their demos um, when they were uh, originally called The Brats. Hmm. Uh, (laughs) Nosy. 
Still my Save favorite. The Z. The, Save the yeah. Z. Um, so the funny, if you listen to the band talk about this album now, they feel like a lot of it is very unfinished. And um, I would disagree with that, in my Me opinion. Too. It could be nostalgia. I don't know. Um, so they did record this in Copenhagen. And um, they were 12 days in the studio, which for back then was a fucking really long time. And I don't know how they paid for it at the time. Um, I doubt the label was going to pay for all of that. Perhaps it didn't cost that much to be in the studio for that long for, I don't know, for mixing. But that that's a really long time for an unknown band on their debut release in Maybe the 80s. King Diamond managed to conjure up some money. Oh, ooh. Ooh. Yeah, I think Ze- um, Zeppelin's first, uh, not Zeppelin, uh, Black Sabbath's first album. I think they did less time than that, too. I think they did like a week or something. Oh, yeah. It's usually yeah. like back then you're talking like five days, six days, five maybe. days. Yeah, sure. Um, so the guy. Uh, so uh, what's the name? Henrik Lund had never produced a metal album before. So he really had no idea. And like what he like kind of what sound he was looking for. And I mean, at the time, I think you, you probably still have that impression, even if you had some experience. So he did the mixing by himself, but he, here's the interesting thing. He took notes from the band. Um, but he would actually say like, okay, you know, vocalists sit down with me, guitar players sit down with me, drummers sit down with me. What are your notes on this? What are your notes on that? I think that's a really, really interesting take, especially to be someone that hasn't mixed music like this before. Like that's definitely like a no ego perspective and trusting in the musicianship, right? And the ear of your of your uh, instrumental players. So I think that's, that's really kind of interesting. Um, the band, though, thought that it was they were annoyed by it, <laughs> which I hope they later on were like, sorry, dude, that was kind of cool of you to take to ask our opinion since we were playing the type of music that you knew nothing about. But they were they were shitty about it at the time. Um, so the band. So, OK, so the label goes and we talked about this in our last episode. The label's like, hey, we want you guys to do a cover song because that's what's go- that's what's going to end up getting the album you know, hopefully on radio and selling it. And so they decided to do Zeppelin's Immigrant Song. But after recording it, they decided it didn't fit with the album. Damn it. I don't care. Um, I, don't I know care I'm so fucking mad. It has to be out. It, release it to as a it. single. It we has to be to out there. It, yes. we, it has or to at be. least on a B-side or something. This yeah. day and age has got to be out there. Um, so everybody, here's the crazy thing. Everybody felt like, holy shit, King Diamond sounded just like Robert Plant, but I'm sure better. Um, so I would be so curious, but anyway. Uh, okay. So they record their, so Melissa, they record it and then they go on tour. Um, they decided that Black Funeral was going to be the single and, um, it had a B side, which was called Black Masses. Um, but it was deleted from the album again, fucking release immigrants. I don't understand. So in 1983, they supported the one and only Ozzy Osbourne in Copenhagen. But boy, I would have loved to be at that show. Right. But due to an illness, 
Ozzy couldn't make it. So the show was canceled. He was sick. Wow. I'm putting sick in air quotes, by the way. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So then they ended up, they performed a headline show in Copenhagen. So I guess they didn't really need to be, uh, I don't know, opening for Ozzy because they get headlined in their own city, which is kind of cool. Um, so they embark on a tour and they end up on TV, on Dutch TV, um, which is pretty crazy. Um, now let's talk about Melissa for a minute. Uh, do you guys know who Melissa was to, let's say, to King Diamond, not the story of the album? You guys, anybody know this? No did we touch on this last week or? No, we didn't. We didn't. I mean, we mentioned she was the well the, in story. She's the the witch, right? The right. So Melissa yeah. is a witch like that his was mom or something. Bur- no, <laughs> no, she was a witch that was burned at the stake, and that's what the album is about. But the skull, the human yes. skull, um, that he would use, he would put on top of his mic stand, was called Melissa, who apparently was a witch burned at the stake. Um, who knows if that's true, but it was in fact an actual human skull. It was stolen after a show. Um, and they used to have an altar on the stage and, um, apparently King Diamond lost his motherfucking shit. He was none too pleased to have his sweet Melissa stolen. So apparently the album, the whole story in the album and the skull itself were all one thing. Who knows? Yes. Um, all right. So blah, blah, blah. Shit goes on. Shit goes on. They do lots of shows. Um, shows get canceled. Their first tour was fucked up. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> why? Like really, really bad luck. Um, and also like some of the hilarious shit. Like I read some stories. So they, okay, they went, they did a few shows with Man of War. I think it was in England. Um, and they claim that Manowar's sound engineer tampered with Merciful Fate's soundboard during their performance. And um, so they had to play a really short show because everything was fucked up. So uh, the finally, Merciful Fate was like, fuck this. I'm leaving this tour. They're, they They were experiencing a financial loss and they were just so, they were just done. And they decided their British fans were disappointing and kind of kind of sucks um yeah so they went back home this is the british fans the british fans they were like we are so disappointed in our british fans because apparently they were rude like the other british bands fucked them over the british venues fucked them over i have a feeling they are blaming because they certainly especially back then like show promoters were shisty motherfuckers um but I think they probably blamed all of that shit on the actual British people, which is yeah. sad. I was going to say, because of, at, at the time you're talking about and the scene at that time, you wouldn't think that the fans were wouldn't be open to a band like Merciful Fate. Just saying. I think they were all about it. Yeah, yeah of course. They were yeah. definitely all about it. Yeah. Um, so they went home and when they're home, they are they sell out headlining shows. So I think they were kind of like, fuck leaving here because everybody loves us. We make tons of money. Well, tons. We make money. We sell out. Why leave? So that's that's Melissa. So 
um, tracks. So you only have seven songs on this album. So you have Evil, Curse of the Fair. <laughs> I heard that, Ed. <laughs> Curse of the Pharaohs, Into the Coven, At the Sound of the Demon Bell, Black Funeral, Satan's Fall, and the album closes out with the song Melissa. All right. Who wants to talk about this album first? All right. I will. This was my um, introduction to Merciful Fate. So on paper, you'd see, okay, 80s metal band. um, What's not probably not the like. Um, they don't, they're, they don't growl. Always a plus in my book. Um, this album, Melissa, let me see. I took some notes here. I, 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 okay. I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with an old fashioned cocktail. Mm -hmm. Sailor and Matt, I know definitely are. Okay, your basic old-fashioned cocktail. I'm intrigued about where you're going with this, You have a base of whiskey, (laughs) a little simple syrup or sugar cube and water for sweetness. Then you have the bitters. The bitters is really what can make or break the cocktail. Um, I would would argue it's the sugar that can make or break the cocktail, but go on. Well, good points, but... For, for my illustration, I'm going to focus on the bitters here for this. So you get a couple ounces of whiskey. You add a couple sh- couple dashes of bitters, maybe three or four, if you're feeling like you like it. Um, and the bitters kind of, cu- you know, counteracts the sweetness of the simple syrup and adds a good um, extra flavor in there to the cocktail. So... This album, it's kind of like someone said, wow, the bitters really make this cocktail. If three or four dashes are great, 20 ought to be even better. So what But it, it, what ends up is the cocktail ends up being ruined by too many bitters. And this is how I feel about the falsetto vocals in this album a little bit when used for emphasis at key points will be great, but just to kind of like deluge the album with with all the songs with this, these vocals, it just made it almost unlistenable to me as if this old fashioned cocktails with 20 dashes of bitters would have been undrinkable. And that's my take. Oh my. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Well, Matt, what about you? Oh, I understand the take that even to the most hardcore of old school metal fans, I get that King Diamond's voice may be an acquired taste. I get it. I get it. But if you just look through history, there are a lot of guys who we hold on a pedestal who are an acquired taste. You know, the first guy that comes to mind, very different, obviously, but I have to pick him because he's kind of got the same polarizing feedback from fans, and that's Danzig. 
So to me, to me, he has the same kind of polarizing thing. His voice isn't great. Um, You know, just throw whatever comparison you want in there. But um, to me, guys like Danzig and guys like King Diamond, they're not people. (laughs) We talked about this last week. And Sailor threw that word out there that began with an E, which is an entity. Entity. These yeah. guys are entities. They're above human. They are personas that are in amongst themselves. Fucking fantastic to me anyway. Um, you know, you can put other, you know, getting outside the metal genre, you can put people like Prince in that category too. These are entities they're not human beings to the normal lay person who listens to music every day um that being said going back to king although he is legit as legit gets as far as his beliefs and all that stuff me being a huge pro wrestling fan i'm attracted to the theatric i'm attracted Mm. to shticks and gimmicks although it's not a gimmick what he does i will say that now to the normal person, it might look like a gimmick, but he reminds me of a fucking great professional wrestler. He really does. He never breaks character. It's real to him. He acts. He, it is real to him. He never breaks character. He's been doing this for now 40 years or so. Uh, and he He's, is King he, longer he, than that. actually. Longer than that. Okay. I'm yeah. just throwing a number out yeah. there, but he but, is yeah. King diamond. He is yeah. that what you see on stage is what he is and taking all those factors into account this album albeit seven songs but those first three songs are fucking amazing and i don't even care if you added four or five more songs onto this album those first three songs evil curse of the pharaohs into the coven not to mention Satan's Fall, which is a 12-minute fucking epic song. That makes this entire album. Well, the first like a minute and a half of Into the Coven is great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. Like I said, a choir taste. This album is fucking great. It should be on anyone who's a metal fan. This album should be on their list. Well, surprisingly, the press that we love to hate so much put this in very great esteem. Um, And I will totally agree with you about his art, you know, that he does not break character. And he, you know, does actually live at like the lifestyle of King Diamond. Um, Although he had he became a father just a few years ago. And it always changes. I know. Yeah. Very, very, very late in life. I think he was 58 or 59. And his, him and his wife had a child. I really wonder, because it, it children create such a change. I'm so curious how that has changed him. Um, but I have to say, if you go back to last week's whiskey pairing, it gives you an indication of where I might be going with this and when i was first turned on to merciful fate it was because i was a metallica fan and um 
Then I got in and I was into Slayer and I was into Exodus and all that stuff. And um, I was into this this band. Oh, crap. I always forget the name of her band, Dora Pesh. Um, shit. She was European. She was like a super hot metal chick. And I was like really impressed with her. And um, now listening to King Diamond and Merciful Fate, I cannot take the vocals the music is the musicality is so fucking good and if i could get all the tracks isolated without the vocals i would be so down to listen to this whole album uh-huh. it i mean it brings back memories for me on the it hits me in all the nostalgic ways um there are some times when i'm super into it and i can just let the vocals not impact me because i have that memory of liking it so much as a kid but oh my god um i well, don't warlock know is the name of the band by the way warlock, warlock thank you band. yes thank yeah. you thank you warlock i used to love warlock um i i can't do it anymore i i this to me that style does not age well for me it was very different at the time it didn't seem as ridiculous at the time. And he, I'm not saying he's ridiculous at all because I think he's an incredible artist. Um, but the sound of his vocals to me, I can't do it anymore. And I think back like, how the fuck did I listen to this album over and over and over and the vocals <laughs> didn't bother me, but it was like the Jameson. Like I, I, I thought Jameson was this like really nice, yummy fancy whiskey you know and but it was before i knew better and i can't even i just can't even it's not in anywhere in my wheelhouse my palate anymore if it's all i have to drink sometimes i will abstain you know um and i and i'm sorry to say that about this album and i'm sorry to say that about his voice because i respect his artistry so so much and there was they played such an important part for me in my upbringing of metal. So I, I, it does not affect me on a respect level, but as a listener, I can't listen to them anymore very much. So, um, but this album is so fucking good. Uh, Everything that it is as a package, I think is just really, really great. So I'll, I'll leave that one right there so that we can move on to the next album. All right, the next one. Them. <sighs> dun, dun, dun. All right. Great. Great first? album cover. Creepy just, as hell. Creepy as hell. I just <laughs> love the house on that. Sometimes simpler is better. <laughs> to me, it looks like a... Um, and it's what like were that... those books called? Sweet Valley High. Do you remember? Do you oh. know what I'm talking about? Well, I was thinking more like R.L. Stein novel. Yeah, or like Goosebumps? Like yeah. Like Goosebumps. Yeah. Go- or... yeah. yeah. It could like, be the house uh... that Angela Lansbury lives in in a murder she wrote. <laughs> Jessica. <laughs> I just think it's cool and nostalgic. I like the, I like the look. Oh, back that. in the day, that would have been creepy yeah. as fucking really cool. Because it's like, yeah. oh, the only light on is the one in the tower in at the, the tower. top of the house. Ooh, yeah, creepy. The full moon out. Full moon. And like these branches going. Creepy trees. Yeah. And them is in quotes. 
<laughs> like, why is it in quotes? <laughs> it's like, they live. With yes, Roddy, them. Roddy yes, oh that God. they are. It's the it's best. Them. They exist. <laughs> the best of any movie line ever. The best line in that movie ever of any movie. Do you know what it is? No. If you what tell you... me, I'll remember it. But what I are you can't talking it about? Off the top of my head. He says, I came here to chew gum and kick ass, yeah. but I'm all out of gum. A lot of gum. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's that fucking was, awesome. Which was stolen Simple. from John Wayne. That's fine, but in context, <laughs> you're watching Roddy Piper say it in a convenience store. Yes. <laughs> so, you guys, um, you know, some of us love concept albums and some of us do not. This is a concept album. And it's one of two. Um, and <laughs> I'm sorry, but like I have a hard time with the concept of the album. It's about King Diamond's mentally ill grandmother. <laughs> it's like, dude, come on. So, uh, sir, Mr. Diamond, uh, can you tell us what this album is about? Well, it's about my uh, very mentally ill <laughs> grandmother and how she went insane. Oh, it's super cheery. Awesome. Thanks. By the way, uh, are those human skulls on your microphone? Yes, they are. Great. Okay. Um, yeah. So apparently this album follows his grandmother go- literally descending into madness. Oh, God. And Crazy um, Granny. Crazy Granny. Um, and uh, it's it's he really does not. I'll tell you this about the, the guy. Like we said, he does not break character and he does not stray from a theme. So if you're interested in reading about the actual concept of this album, there's a plot summary you can read like legitimately. And apparently it's all true. And he goes into fucking detail. Uh, he, he starts the album as a young boy and his mother and his sister are welcoming their grandmother back home from the mental asylum. Yep. (laughs) And then that night as a young boy, he hears strange noises and goes downstairs and his grandmother is having a fucking tea party all by herself. However, did you know this Matt? Plot thickens. (laughs) However. So, the teacups and and uh, the teapot they're floating in the air, and so his grandmother says, "Oh, come over and sit with us." And um, he goes and sits in her chair, and then all of a sudden, he wakes up and he's back in his bed. So, uh, and his grandmother's leaning over him and says, "Forget everything that you saw. Definitely sure. not a nightmare, right? Actually happened. <laughs> sure." Um, so then at some point, his grandmother teaches him, well, tells him she's going to teach him about um, Amon, the house of King Amon. Uh, okay. Um, so then there's this Amon thing Amar? about, I, who the fuck knows? <laughs> so, so apparently, like, the grandmother cuts his mother at some point, and then she's, like, feeding the blood to the kids and their tea, and then his sister starts going crazy, and all this crazy shit happens. Oh, um, and her sister's name, by the way. His sister's name. Yes. Missy, they called her Missy, which but she is was short for, for Melissa. Yes. Uh-huh. So apparently he discusses going into spells, and he believes these spells were caused by his grandmother interrupting 
his consciousness and feeding him the blood of his his mother i can't can't the blood of his mother and then even after she dies she haunts him so um i think to myself huh he's a professed satanist but he believes that his grandmother was haunting him how could that be since there's no afterlife or no soul Mm -hmm. there's a chink in the armor uh, so, okay, that's the theme of the album. Really bright and cheery and super fun. Great for the whole family. Sit around the radio and have a listen and drink some tea. <laughs> so uh, the, the, the album starts off with the song Out from the Asylum, then Welcome Home, Invisible Guests, Tea, Mother's Getting Weaker. I mean, he's pretty fucking literal. Bye yeah. Bye Missy, A Broken Spell, The Accusation Chair, them twilight symphony and coming home well track number one out of the asylum really isn't a song it's more of like a uh yeah an intro an intro vocal intro with a little sure. bit of acting creepy yeah creepy weirdness yeah there yeah <laughs> oh grandmother <laughs> I'm, yeah this I'm song is this, terrible this, this the album is creepy as hell it's uh, just, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You got you got to give him credit though. He had a vision and he saw he, through. Yeah. He, I mean, pun intended. I'm assuming yes. Matt. He had a vision. He had a vision and saw yes. it through. I yes. like how you did that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. All right. So this is not his first album as a soloist. But he's not really a soloist. Um, I would say like being, I don't even know what you call it. Not called Merciful Fate. Let's just say it that way. Because I feel like King Diamond was King Diamond, Merciful Fate, and after. That's my opinion. Um, Yeah. What is everybody's thoughts on this album? Since, you know, this technically was way more popular and garnered way more respect than merciful fates melissa well wow (laughs) i (laughs) sounds great it's gonna be good i made myself listen to the whole thing just i made myself (laughs) get through it (laughs) okay i was having a lot of slayer flashbacks (laughs) when i was listening to this oh actually both these albums it's like okay just just get through it all right <laughs> at least melissa it. was like okay yes to chat himself up just get through it you can do this come on dun 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 that's as far as i can go like rocky so thank you yeah this one was tough um again it's i kind of i didn't really there was there was some content in here you couldn't help but pay attention to but most of it i just kind of didn't really pay too much attention to the lyrics i just kind of because i was so bombarded by the screaming um but anyway the screen did you say the screaming or the screen the squealing the i was gonna say i don't want to call it screaming i would call it falsettoing maybe falsettoing, i guess yeah yeah <laughs> so i just got falsetto to death that's so wait a minute that's the title of the show right there at least part two 
<laughs> so, and this is coming from a guy who likes Striper. So that's saying a lot. That's yeah, saying that is saying that's a lot. saying oh, wait a minute. That's saying a hell of a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, sailor for the win. Oh, but Matt's anyway, not impressed. <laughs> I the only quandary I have is which do I like more? Than the other. I... Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> or you which know, do I. Which. Yeah, I don't know. Ed, I think you Both should things. listen to the song called No Presents for Christmas. And let that be your final No Presents for Christmas. As in <laughs> Presents. P R E S E C. Wait. No. No, P R E S E N T S. I'm just joking. I'm just messing. I know what you mean. Why does, he King Diamond. A, why does he have to listen to a song outside of our battle? Because here? I feel like it's a bridge between him being Merciful Fate and him being King Diamond. And it's ridiculous. So there you go. Um, anyway, I'm trying to think of more to say about this but <laughs> i really don't have a whole lot more to say i think you've made your case i have to say all right I, well matt think... matt's a little more in tune with this this band and artist so i'm curious to see here what uh, matt thinks so historically speaking on this show anyway i usually am a sucker for a good concept album <laughs> i showed it with Queensryche. I showed it with Pink Floyd. I was the only one that picked the wall over Dark Side of the Moon. Ugh, although although you can argue that maybe both of them are concept albums. Dark Side of the Moon is totally a concept album. Okay. Yeah. Alright. But to me totally. the wall to me the wall is the concept album of all concept albums. But anyway, that I would agree with. Yes. I agree with you there. Yes. Um and I'm sure we've talked about other Concept albums along the way. That we I just can't did. We, Queen, didn't we? We agreed on Queensrÿche. I right? mentioned Ke- Queensrÿche. Yeah, Operation yeah, yeah, Mindcrime. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But this might be the first time where I am not a huge fan of a certain concept <laughs> album. To me, anyway, and you guys didn't really mention. Well, Sailor might mention this, but Ed did not mention this. Musicality-wise, it's just not as good. It's not as good as Melissa. The lineup he had in Merciful Fate, um, I think they're just better musicians. I mean, that's just me. I mean, I don't know if they were going for a more, and you said it, Sailor, that this album was more commercially successful to a point, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they were going for that sound. Um, I hope they weren't because King Diamond left Merciful Fate to not do that commercialized sound. And he ended up finding more success anyway without Merciful Fate. But I think that the musicians that he had in Merciful Fate were just better. I mean, the music was better on Melissa. That's just me. There was the the you had those early eighties like galloping metal riffs on Melissa that you don't find on this album. So I appreciate the concept of what he was trying to do here. Obviously, I like him. I love him. But it just misses a certain 
key for me, if I could say that. It's just not. <laughs> it's not. Misses the mark. It misses the mark for me as a as a concept album, as a an album in general, compared to what they were doing as Merciful Fate, or what he was doing as Merciful Fate. I would say, um, just not overly impressed. Gotta say. Interesting. Well, I'm going to have to agree that um, for me, I think that, I don't know, we, we can only speculate, but perhaps when he left Merciful Fate and realized, you know, if I want to continue to make a living off of this, maybe I do have to go a little bit more mainstream. I don't know. Or if that just happened organically, who knows? Um but they did become a metal household name um, as King Diamond. And um, I, I have to agree with you, though. The musicianship is totally different. Um, I think that, you know, and, and we have found this often in, um, in these bands that, you know, have their early starts. And there's, there's a certain chemistry there, but that chemistry you blame the um the demise of the band on the chemistry like between king diamond and hank i think they were the they were the magic them writing together whatever made them split up as a band um i think it's too bad because they were certainly the magic i feel like you know at this point this album um I, i it loses the interest for me I think it was it's too thematic. It almost sounds like there's you should be watching a play while you're listening to it. I think there was so much focus on what he was I think he should have just written a fucking play. You know what I mean? And gotten this story out that way, you know, and expressed it that way because it feels like a play without the without the actors and the and this and the stage show. Great point. Um, yeah. Well, I also think, and, you know, if you're going to write songs in a language that isn't your own and you don't understand the nuances of that and you don't have someone, I I can't fathom what it is to write music and lyrics in another language. Yeah. Respect it so, so much. But I also feel like if you're going to create a concept album and the verbiage is so important to you and it's not your first language, make sure that it is correct and flows both for the grammar and both for the music. And that doesn't happen in this album. And I feel like at this point it should have. You know, like Merciful Fate, okay, fine. But at this point, it it should have been a better job. I can't, I just can't. And you know, what's funny is I, when this album came out, I guarantee you I bought it and I listened to it a lot. Because back then, options were few and far between. Yeah. What what you had access to was so small at the time. And I'm I'm not fully formed yet, you know, when this album comes out. Um I don't have again, like in whiskey in 1988, my palate is not 
well-defined yet. It's, it doesn't have a ton of experience yet. I'm what am I in 15, 15 or something? Exactly. Yeah. So I can see why I listened to this and why I bought it at the time, but it does not age well for me. Um, I have to go with Melissa. I, I just, the musicality, like take it like all of it, but also the, the, it's such a fucking great metal album and is definitely a foundation for black metal for sure. So me, my choice is Melissa. Okay. How about you guys? Well, of the two, <clears throat> I think um, I'll lean toward Melissa is the one that uh, is I've, to me is more listenable out of the two, I guess. But so yeah, I I would definitely lean towards Melissa. That'll, that that one gets my vote. The more listenable of the two. <laughs> That's rough. So we can add that into your the most beloved albums and bands, Slayer, King Diamond. Yeah, this would be on the Slayer end of the Edometer. <laughs> the, oh, I forgot about the Edometer. Matt, what about you? Yeah, so first of all, I'm just going to backtrack a little bit. It's so interesting that you said you probably bought this album um, in the fall of 1988. I'm just Googling, you know, the other metal albums that came out, you know, in 1988. Um, There's some decent ones on here, but I wouldn't say that they're blowing anyone away. I mean, mm-hmm. we had you had Operation Mindcrime, obviously, which we just talked about uh-huh. a couple yeah. we, a couple weeks ago. You know, Van Halen, uh, OU eight one two. You know, just their more mediocre albums. Yeah, and Justice for All, obviously. Um, you know, you had uh, the Scorpions. Testament. Scorpions. The New Testament. Order from Testament. Yeah. Ram it down by Judas Priest. You had GNR Lies. Yeah, Cin- um, Cinderella. <laughs> hey, I liked Cinderella. Long no rest for winter. the yeah. No rest for the wicked from Ozzy, which I definitely um, bought and waited in line for. Yeah, um, Danzig self-titled. Um, State of Euphoria from Anthrax. But yeah, I mean, look at what it's up against. So maybe now you can understand. Yeah, overkill, how at the time the influence, yeah how at the time it would have stood out as like, wow, you know, what am I listening to? This is cool. This is awesome. And then within a very short period of time, it would have been it. That's a weird thing is like, I, I feel like it aged itself so quickly. Yeah. Um, Iron, Iron main seventh son of a seventh son. But, but in 1992, <laughs> so just a couple years later, you have Pantera vulgar display of power. You yeah. have dirt from Alice in Chains. Like, think about how Danzig three. Well, it's you know, a whole how... new world of music at that time. To... You're only talking four years, but look at how it changed. You know, sure, in four but, years. Yeah, but the we're metal... on the cusp of a revolution here. Exactly. But yeah. the the metal that was still happening at the time. Let's talk about yep. the true metal. You know, that's still happening at the time. Um, Napalm death and suicidal tendencies and you know helmet um, helmets meantime one of their fucking best albums ever you know um, I, it, it's it's so interesting 
that I think, yeah, like I said in the beginning, it's it's a band that just, you know, Megadeth's Rust in Peace 1990. It just didn't age well. I think that's all it is, is it had its time. It was of its moment. And I think the fans that continue to listen to it, I don't know. I, I wonder if there are new fans of King Diamond. I think that would be so odd. I think it would be really, really odd. I would imagine most of them have to be nostalgia fans. I don't know. How you know many what fans? I'm going to have yeah. to look for yeah. and see if there, you know, there are some of these um, react videos from kids and stuff for oh, metal yeah. bands. Yeah. If there's any yes. with like teenagers listening to King Diamond or something like that, that would be oh hilarious. Oh my god, what would they think of that? They would, I, <laughs> they would be dying laughing. Actually, play it for your daughters. You have that right in oh, your yeah. own Oh, yeah. I've got sphere. 18-year-olds right upstairs. Yeah. Play it for them and be like, okay, I'm not going to tell you anything about this. But, and say, I would set it up to give them, like, to just wipe their minds and say, is this a real band? Is it a fake band? Is it a joke? That's a great Or is premise. it real? Is it of now? Is it from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s? It, what do you think of this? What is, what is what is this to you? Overall impressions. Yes. But I would set it up at, that maybe it's a fake band so that they don't think... so Because I think it would be interesting. I don't want them to have this. Well, back then it may have been cool. No, 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 no. Just with no context, what is it to you? Yes. Would be really interesting. Oh, I got to do that. All right, let if, us if know. It, if it turns out well, I may, I'll, I'll video it and see. That would be awesome. Yes. <laughs> Please do. So how um, well, did you pick Ed? Did you? you yeah, pick I ended up picking Melissa. Melissa. Yeah. Okay. So the I like of the two evils. Likewise, I picked Melissa. I think it's um, it's one of the more important metal albums. That, but you know uh, what? There there are moments on Melissa I really do like. Like when I said the first minute and a half of <laughs> the um. What was it the coven was great into the, i meant into the it. coven yeah into yeah. the coven yeah so but yeah if you can are... ice like if you can get past the voice fuck oh yeah so, there's good stuff on there so good so good yeah i yeah. will give you that yeah well uh are we unanimous it sounds like so. we are once again well damn we need to get jake back on the show this is getting ridiculous <laughs> No, we'd, we'd, be, we'd be arguments. here till tomorrow. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, unless we're talking about, you know, karaoke songs, Matt. We haven't <laughs> had very many arguments lately. That's true. That's well, true. You heard it here. You heard it first. You heard it last. Melissa from Merciful Fate wins the battle. Insert the ding, ding, ding. Woo! Woohoo! Golf clap. And that ends this discussion for tonight. Thank you for listening and bearing with us through these very strange two episodes. Uh Perhaps it was the spirit or lack of in the room. Who knows? But until next time. Me too. Actually. (laughs) Until next time, what's coming up next? Who the fuck knows? But hopefully you'll come back. Hopefully you will. Despite all of our tangents and all the little things we talk about, we hope you enjoy that stuff as well. <laughs> Who is your favorite actor from this generation? I'm curious to know. 
from from my generation younger sounds like another poll that needs sounds to like happen. another sounds like another poll all right but as always thank you for listening thank you for sticking around we really do appreciate everything you've given us um and i hope you guys appreciate everything we've given you as we always say mrw for you um so hopefully you can come and join our facebook group at uh spirit of rock podcast network we are also on twitter at metal rock whiskey please come and follow us you can find me personally on instagram at the whiskey obsessor that is whiskey save the e sailor I am Sailor Retro all over the internet. And did you know that we have our very own website? If you want to find all of our shows in one place, it's spiritofrockpods.com. And we have a new show, which I mentioned last week, and I'm going to mention again this week, which is called Pound the Rock. And no, not Pound the Rocks, plural, because that would mean we're prisoners back in the 1930s. (laughs) Pound the Rock, like the rock that we live on, the planet Earth. It's about... Those of us who work for Uncle Nearest Whiskey that are literally making history every day. It's super fun. I hope you guys enjoy it. And if that's not enough, we have yet another new show coming out. But that's still a secret to be revealed, hopefully, in the next week or two. Wow. Follow us on the socials and you won't miss out on any of this shit. Ed? Exciting. If they want to follow me, see what I'm doing, see what I'm drinking, they can find me at Bourbon Geek on the Instagrams. And hey, listeners, if you love us or even just like us, please, we ask you, hit that subscribe button, give us a review, because it really does matter to us. And of course, tune in next week where we'll be back with another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. Fuck you, Lars. Later, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. I love you, Lars.